2: Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit Stripe.com slash Tap iPhone.
3: Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to DailyTechNewsShow.com slash support.
4: This is the Daily Tech News Show
0: for Friday, September 28th in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt.
3: I'm Sarah Lane from Studio Feline.
4: And from the fringes of L.A. County, I'm Roger Chang.
0: And, of course, this is our roundtable show. Once a month, we expand our show into a full-fledged one-hour roundtable discussion with Sarah, myself, and our guests. Joining us today, Patrick Norton from TechThing.com and AVXL. Welcome back, Patrick. Thank you. And Ryan Shroud from PCPer.com. It's been a little while longer since we've had you on. Ryan, good to have you back, too. It is. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And as every Friday, we have Len Peralta illustrating the show. Len, are your drawing fingers ready?
5: My drawing fingers are always ready. They They sure are. are.
0: That's what I always say about you. Constantly. People are like, just stop. <laughs> all the time. Talking just, about Fingers. It's weird. It's creepy. Uh, okay. While well, all of our topics today cover the tech news, we're going to start with a few tech things you should know.
3: Facebook says it discovered an attack earlier this week that affected up to 50 million users. Attackers were able to exploit the view as feature to copy access tokens. So view as lets you see what your page looks like to someone else on Facebook who might be checking it out. A bug was loading the video uploader during the view as session, which incorrectly created a single sign on token using the identity of the person you were viewing as not actually you. Attackers did this intentionally and then copied those tokens. Facebook says it has patched the vulnerability and logged out more than 90 million accounts invalidating previously issued tokens. Because only the tokens were accessed. The company says users don't need to change passwords. Law enforcement is investigating. You should probably still change your password.
0: I mean, it's never a bad idea, but, but I get what they're saying, which is they didn't access the password at all. They accessed the token that's set after the sure. password. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh CNBC reports the US SEC and Tesla CEO Elon Musk had agreed to settlement fraud uh to a settlement over fraud allegations where Musk and Tesla would pay fines. Musk would step down as chairman of Tesla for 2 years and two new independent directors would be appointed to Tesla's board. That was going to avoid the lawsuit from yesterday, but uh instead of taking that and not having to admit guilt musk refused to sign the deal cnbc said he didn't feel it would be truthful to himself he has called the allegations unjustified and the tesla board issued a statement expressing full confidence in musk of course uh, musk is a large part of that board so uh the saga continues
3: Spiegel Online and Course report that Spotify has begun emailing some users of its premium for family plans in Germany, the US, and two other markets asking for GPS data to confirm that they all live at the same address. Ah, yes, the family plan. The email contains a link to a page that states Spotify will only use the GPS data to verify location, not for anything else. Spotify responded to courts, saying uh, it's testing improvements to the user experience of Premium for Spotify. Spotify's average revenue per user fell 12% in Q2. Might be something to think about. Mm. TechCrunch reports that Spotify has since ended the test.
0: Uh, Real quickly, Google began rolling out Wear OS 2.1 to watch this Friday. The new interface focuses on fitness and notifications, also improves some of the responsiveness and battery life.
3: Apple won an appeal against a decision that it had infringed patents held by the University of Wisconsin-Madison and iPhone processors. The U.S. Federal Court Circuit Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C. ruled that no reasonable juror could have determined that Apple indeed infringed on that patent.
0: U.S. District Court in Fresno, California denied a joint federal and state task force request to hold Facebook in contempt of court for not providing wiretap access to Facebook messenger calls. This was in relation to a probe of an international criminal gang.
3: A U.S. International Trade Commission judge declined Qualcomm's request to block the import of iPhones with Intel chips that are subject to a patent dispute. The judge found that Apple's iPhones violated one of Qualcomm's patents on power management, but the denying import was not in the public interest.
0: All right, folks, that's a quick look at stuff. If you want all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com.
3: All right, let's start with a little discussion about Intel. Patrick Norton, I know you have some thoughts on this. Uh, I'll go ahead and set it up for you. Intel's interim CEO Bob Swan announced Friday it will prioritize production of Xeon and core processors and has enough supplies to meet its full year revenue targets. The company has been catering more to data centers, but expects growth in the PC market this year for the first time since 2011. Okay. Now, Intel also said that yields are improving for 10 nanometer chips, and it still expects volume production in 2019. So, this sounds like good news. What are your thoughts?
4: Oh, boy.
6: So uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Ryan to jump in at any time. Uh, what's interesting <laughs> about this is is Digitimes, which we effectively think of as the great rumor mill of of all things. Uh, uh, the fifty well, fifty rumor
0: mill, right? Uh, the fifty <laughs> yes.
6: fifty rumor mill, right? But one of the things that showed up there and has, has been repeated in other places is that I want to say like the CEO of, of Kampala Electronics and a couple others are basically saying like, yeah, um, we can't get – enough processors to build notebooks uh q4 is the holiday shopping season it's going to be a hot mess and there's also a lot of uh, suggestion that there's not enough xeon processors uh to go around to go into servers and you know this is compounding ryan and i have a game uh which goes like god we're starting to feel guilty because there's just not a lot of nice things to say about intel right now Now, intel is making amazing amounts of money they have a ton of profitable businesses but as enthusiasts, uh, Intel kind of like wandered away from us as a market, you know, high-end gamers, people doing video editing, and they, they just seemed to like, yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. They have nowhere else to go. They'll just take what we give them, um, which was a reasonable assumption if you're, you know, that arrogant. Uh, and then uh, something really strange happened. Um, they slipped uh, on, on a process technology. And they they kind of went from two years ahead and delivering a new process technology, i.e., you know, making everything smaller and fitting more chips on a die, uh, which gives them also uh, improvements in power consumption and improvements in overall, you know, computing power. Um, and, uh, you know... Then it went from like every two years for forever. Then, it like oh, you know, it took like three years to do that sort of last fourteen nanometer jump uh, in twenty fourteen, and then um, we're still waiting for the jump to ten nanometer. And in the meantime, Intel's kind of gone from two years ahead of competition to actually being behind. And this gets really interesting because uh, TSMC is now delivering their seven nanometer processes, which is roughly equivalent to Intel's ten nanometer process, um, and where it's it really kind of painful is the fact that arm just kind of keeps showing up everywhere and the volume of arm processors keep getting larger and the argument back in the day was that intel's well our superior custom you know basically like arms like you can build it anywhere we'll license it to you you can customize it we barely use any power and uh oh my god we've lost sarah <laughs> <laughs> I've knocked Sa- I've bored Sarah so thoroughly she's passed <laughs> no out. one on
0: audio knew that till you called her out Patrick that wasn't uh, nice I'm
6: sorry well it was just all of a sudden there was a big empty uh screen and I was like oh Medic yeah. um so but you know but Intel was always like, ah, you know what? Our superior manufacturing, we're going to keep, you know, moving forward on processor. We got Moore's law on our side. Um, and that was going to negate sort of whatever advantages ARM thought it had. And to put this into to perspective, right, you know, you know, a few years ago, Intel was selling like 100 million desktop chips a year. Much larger margins, much higher cost, but ARM – shipped or actually licensed i want to say 50 billion chips between 1991 and 2013 then 50 billion chips between 2013 and 2017 and they expect to ship the next 100 billion chips by like you know 2022 2023 or so so where this gets interesting is when we start looking at laptops and we we see the arm processors starting to show up at low end laptops um apple's basically starting to seed the rumors uh since apple doesn't have leaks therefore everything that is about Apple is either a guess or a leak uh, from an official part of Apple, uh, that Apple's going to start replacing Intel CPUs in their laptops with their own A-series. You know, I don't know, the A14, the A15, um, that that Apple's actually going to stop using Intel processors in their laptops, which may not be a huge volume, but is incredibly prestigious. And they're talking about using their own... Apple thinks they can get their own processors fast enough to replace the Intel chips by, like, 2020, that's the big rumor that showed up on Bloomberg not too long ago. Meanwhile, as AMD's like, hey, out of nowhere, last year, we got a badass desktop processor, and we're going to give you a lot more cores for a lot less money. Um, uh, AMD is looking to actually have something like 30% of the global desktop market by the end of this year. Um, you know, not only is AMD profitable, AMD is actually taking a huge chunk of the desktop market, which is a place where Intel has traditionally uh, had what I will affectionately call a tremendous, uh, you know, I won't say monopoly, uh, but, you know, there just wasn't dominance. anything else. We'll you could you use dominance. the word "dominant." I like yeah. that. Yeah. That doesn't, that won't get me, you know, that won't have a lawyer beating on my door <laughs> saying, don't say that. Um you know, and if you take a look at it, if you go to pcpercom slash leaderboard, that's the collection of of builds that Ryan and his crew put together over at PCPer. And something you'll notice about this, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're looking at the dream system, which is like $3,300 or the low end, like I have no money, $500 system. Uh, but you're talking about every single one of those chips, unless one has changed and I missed it, having a, oh, look, there's a, there's a Ryzen. AMD Ryzen, AMD Ryzen, AMD Ryzen, AMD Ryzen, AMD Ryzen. Um, because when you talk about multi-core processing, which is pretty much everything uh, in computing, and, you know, Ryan, feel free to point out that I'm going to get a bunch of nasty emails, tweets about this. Um, when you look at overall performance, it's better to have a lot of fast cores than a few slightly faster cores, uh, or at least the way kind of I approach it. But, um, I mean, I, mean, is
1: that, that, I would say that's really dependent on workload, right? Um, so, it's it's a really interesting environment that Intel finds itself in now because it is it's basically being attacked at at every front that it has in this battle in the in the server workspace against AMD EPIC and a little bit from the ARM designs there. You know, look at what Qualcomm's doing with their always connected PCs and kind of going after the battery life, massively connected. Uh, systems. You look at Ryzen, Threadripper, going after workstation. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of angles of attack on Intel. But as you pointed out at the beginning, Patrick, they still made they had like sixteen billion dollars in profit last year. Like they're they're still pumping out uh, parts. They're still they're still a very high margin company. AMD is profitable for the first time. But you know, Intel's R and D budget exceeds all of the revenue AMD had <laughs> last year, right? So it's, right. and, and I'm, I'm as big a proponent of, of Ryzen and, and all this, uh, all all the AMD products and the ARM products and the Qualcomm products as anybody, but it's, I think sometimes it's easy to lose sight of just the size and the behemoth that mm-hmm. Intel is and what it represents. Um, and they definitely screwed up, right? They definitely right. kind of fell out of their way and riding that ship is a long process. It's not something that happens, in a couple of quarters, and it, uh, it
0: felt to me like Kruzanich, uh was at least had an instinct of where to go to do that, and it was going to be a long process. So losing him midstream like this certainly
1: can't help. He was a a polarizing figure. I think he he definitely had Intel in all the right places financially, um, and and he knew he had a, he had a good idea of how to how to maintain margins and revenue. Um, but I, I think you could look at it in, in that he. He failed from the point of view of he came in from the manufacturing side of things, right? Mm-hmm. That's that that's his pedigree, and that is the area that stalled out and is causing the problems that they're seeing now. The problems with ten nanometer are what's causing the shortages with fourteen nanometer, which is causing them to have to have you know their interim CEO put out that letter that they did today, saying, "Hey, really sorry about that, but don't worry, investors, we will still going to make all the money we said we were going to make," <laughs> um, which is an interesting thing in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, but it goes you know, back to the point I, about how big they are. Yeah right right i mean they in mid year in july they said actually as it turns out we think we're going to make 4.5 billion more than we thought we were going to make and right. you know of course the market loves that and they're saying even with these issues we're having we see we still think we're going to to get to all that and maybe maybe a little bit more, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't present opportunity for Qualcomm, Arm, and AMD to take over some of the space because there is growth in PC and in server infrastructure, edge computing. All those areas are growing, and AMD has has solutions to to offer.
0: Well, that's a, it's the classic case of being too big to where they, they can't move fast enough to take on these, you know, and AMD is not a small company, but it's smaller right. than Intel. So relatively speaking, smaller companies uh, ARM, of course, incredibly different than Intel because it's a designer, not a manufacturer. And so they can be, ARM is essentially attacking them from a million different directions at once sure. because you have all of these different companies. So it's hard for Intel to respond, especially when you're doing so well, right? Like it's. <laughs> It's the it's the classic case of yeah, but we still hit our bottom line. We're still making a profit. What what's to panic about? And and right. the the thing to panic about is what happens a few years down the road when the lead you built up starts to decline. And and ask Nokia how that feels.
1: It's true, and 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 as a result, you see the CEO. Brian Krasanich is out. You see new leadership coming in. Uh, Roger Kadori coming in from AMD. Uh, Jim Keller coming in from AMD and Apple and Tesla, right? The, they're coming in. Their, their goal is to be more aggressive. Their goal is to shift the, the, the mindset of the company and make them product-facing, right? Like, you've, you've got to keep in mind, Intel spent a tremendous amount of resources marketing drones, right? Uh, which is, yeah. at best... A, a tertiary market to them. And you, you look at, you know, th- it's easy to see how enthusiasts people that follow what Patrick and I do get angry because we saw stagnation in the core processor series while they talked about drones and IOT and all this and other video. stuff that is really they had
6: a, whole,
0: a whole streaming video department that Krasanich just closed up and sold to Verizon. Yeah.
6: Yeah, it's it's funny when you look at it because like there's the I want to say the client computing group is like thirty percent of the revenue in 2017. Data, uh, the big data stuff's like twenty percent. Uh, Their Internet of Things group, like you're looking at like 19 billion dollars, 16 billion dollars, and then like 897 million dollars for the Internet of Things group. And on one hand, don't get me wrong, I'll never make a billion dollars in a year. I'll probably well, probably I'll certainly never have a company that makes billion <laughs> a billion dollars. So to make most of a billion dollars you know, in a year is a lot of money until you start looking at the competition for the internet of things, which is the 450 something arm licensees, you know, and you're looking at, you know, Qualcomm and Apple and all of these other companies that are, that are customizing the basic arm designs and putting them everywhere. Let's see. Uh, Okay. I've got one here. I've got one there. I've got one, two, three, four, five in that closet. I've got two in the other end of the house and, um, they're certainly not making as much per chip, but it's, it's kind of crazy to look at, at Intel. Intel was in arm licensing and they're like, eh. and then a couple years later, they're like, Oh my God, the cell phone thing is serious. And <laughs> and they spent a bunch of years like trying to jumpstart mobile. And that, that certainly took off with at least one manufacturer in China for several minutes. And then they, you know, like, you know, Ryan was calling out, there was like, okay, you know, we're going to do the internet of things and drones and, um, they don't seem to be able to sort of jumpstart anything other than, mm-hmm. you know, beyond, which is a big deal. Drenched Wildfire process.
0: in our chat rooms uh, puts this forward. I want to know what y'all think of it. This is less a big company can't pivot problem and more of a this tech is extremely hard to perfect problem.
1: It, it is. Um that That's true. It, so there's two things, two ways to look at it. The process technology is incredibly difficult, and um, I, I honestly don't believe anybody in the industry has better engineers than what Intel has and in, in the history that they have. Did they have a hiccup and a bubble in this pipe? They absolutely did. Obviously, they, they kind of overpromised and, and have been under-delivering on what they were able to do with 10 nanometers, but it is incredibly hard to get some of this stuff right. But I think a lot of it still comes down to Intel Getting away from its core competency and trying to explore other areas of growth, which is, you know, not to not to make it a political debate. It's one of the one of, it's one of the pitfalls of being a, a public company, mm-hmm. is that if you're not growing and you're not t- trying to expand, you look like you're shrinking. And uh, they wanted to avoid that, and now they're they're kind of recovering here. They've you know they've announced they're going to do discrete graphics, they're going to get into AI, they're going to do in deep learning and machine learning. Um, so there's there's still plenty of places where they can grow. Mm-hmm. In, in, in areas that I think are more uh, approximate to their to their core competency
0: well and that 's the key right you you can 't just keep relying on classical x eighty six architecture forever the, you know the writing 's on the wall for that it 's not going to die, but the growth is limited so where do you go where Where should intel go from there that 's the big question
1: yeah, and I, I think AI machine learning is kind of the the first immediate step. Uh, autonomous, you know, people talk about autonomous vehicles, but any kind of autonomous robotics uh is really where we'll we'll see the next ten years going. Uh quantum computing is kind of the next step past silicon design, right? Um mm-hmm. and, and they have a they have a significant group there. IBM's another one. Uh but that's that's kind of, that's one of those things that when somebody tries, somebody really smart tries to talk to me about it, I kind of glaze over and I'm like, I got to go read another book or two before we can have this conversation.
0: <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let my virtual assistant understand this for me and explain it to me later. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, I, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, we we could sit here kicking dirt on the, uh, the the purported grave or not grave of Intel all day long. Uh, but let's talk about some graphics cards When last we spoke, it was about whether we would ever be able to afford graphics cards again, Ryan. (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, that problem seems to be easing. So let's turn our attention to voluntarily paying a lot of money for a graphics card. And by that, I mean the NVIDIA 2080, uh, to 2080 Ti GPUs. Now that the dust has settled a little on those announcements, Ryan, if you would, uh, help us understand what these cards actually do and what they're good for.
1: Uh, First of all, I want to compliment you on that that introductory... Uh, piece right there. I never really thought about the analog to um, before you were being forced to pay $1,200 for a video card, and now you're being asked to voluntarily pay $1,200 for a video <laughs> yeah. card um, to get, you know, peak levels of performance. It's, it's an interesting interesting shift. So the the NVIDIA RTX 2080, 2080 Ti, and eventually the 2070 um, are particularly interesting for a couple of reasons, one is the price. They they definitely kind of went up the stack in terms of cost, but they also introduced different kinds of technology than you're used to seeing in graphics cards, which is why they moved from GTX to RTX. A lot of it's marketing. A lot of it is you know trying to to shift the narrative some so that they can can justify to everyone the the price changes. Uh, but they added ray tracing acceleration into the silicon, and they added AI compute into the silicon. The AI compute is something that had existed before as part of their volta architecture uh, meant for enterprise machine learning ai which is one of the areas that nvidia is a, is you know a leader in that field they're bringing that into the consumer gpus for ai capabilities the first one is a is an image quality improvement called excuse me, DLSS, Deep Learning Super Sampling, which basically renders at a slightly lower resolution and then upscales it, but is using a a machine learning, uh, an AI-assisted process that they do a whole bunch of pre-compute on their side with the game beforehand, and they send that library over to you through the GFE and the driver stack. Uh, it's a really interesting idea, and I think it's one of many areas where ai will eventually permeate into gaming whether it be for animation or image quality or actual like npc uh interactions and then the ray tracing acceleration is interesting because i think if you followed graphics technology uh for a while or at any point like ray tracing has always been known to be that that end goal for us if we could do Ray tracing, fast enough, you could create photorealistic imagery uh, without hacks, without having to find these workarounds that the current technology of rasterization really depends on. Because the the, the
0: idea is that you're computing... The light source, and just saying, the light's over here. Show me what it looks like with light reflecting on it.
1: Yeah, you're essentially simulating the photons moving through space. Right. And if you have an infinite amount of compute power, you could simulate every ray of light casted from every light source and bouncing off every surface. We're clearly not there yet, and it will be a while. But the RT cores in the new Turing architecture in these parts accelerates the uh, uh, essentially the hierarchical structure of of a ray tracing simulation. And so they they've were showed demos and examples of things. It, it sounds simple when you say it out loud, but like reflections of certain things uh, on windows and surfaces in a game. And you think, well, I already have reflections today. What's the big deal? And and then you start to realize that some of the tricks that you have to do, if 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 a, if there is a light source or an effect that is off screen, it can't be reflected. On something on screen because the data is kind of removed from the system in a way to kind of make the system run faster. It's one of those tricks of rasterization to make it look good. But with ray tracing, Mm -hmm. you get some of that back. You have the potential to get some of that back. Shadows can be simulated very well. I I like Um, to think of it as with
0: rasterization, uh, you have to tell every surface what light's hitting it. Whereas with ray tracing, you just tell the light where to go.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is, and and the the hope is with ray tracing at some point you just don't have to you don't have to worry about any tricks you don't have to try to you know get around any anything that might be holding it back but that's that's a performance issue over the long term but they Nvidia claims they've made a significant jump with ray tracing performance because of this acceleration uh, logic in the part um, now as a result of adding AI and RT support they've made a much larger gpu it's probably i think 60 70% larger than the previous gpus of the similar performance class or mm-hmm. similar class you know 80 series 70 series um, and they've also gone up a lot in price right so the rtx 2080 is 799 for the founders edition and the 2080 ti is 1199 Ooh. for the founders edition yeah. and those aren't totally unheard of prices because the Titan XP before it was $1, $1,199. Um, but if you look at the 1080 Ti, it launched at $699, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking about a $500 price increase from 1080 Ti to 2080 Ti. Although and I guess that- the, I,
0: the, what, what NVIDIA might say, I don't mean to speak for them, is this is halfway between the 1080 and the Titan. This, is, this isn't just a successor to the 1080, right? No. Hey,
6: actually, it, I was going to mostly what they're going to tell you is that RTX technology is going to deliver the holy grail oh, of yeah. gaming performance, <laughs> and you really should buy one now. Buy one it's now.
0: It's worth though. every penny for all those well, games that will
6: someday be made for it. Yes, and that's where it gets slippery. So, sorry, Ryan.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, and you're right. I think the, the, the problem that reviewers and uh, the enthusiast community had with this launch was that. When the 10 series launched, the 1080 was was noticeably faster than the 980 Ti. It was mm-hmm. like 25% faster or so. And uh, with this launch, the 2080 pretty much just matches the performance of the 1080 Ti. Maybe a handful, 3 4 5% faster. Um, no power consumption improvements, really. Maybe a tiny bit there. So there wasn't this jump that people kind of expected. But you did get this price increase, right? The 1080 launched at uh 499, I believe, and now we're launching this at six ninety nine, seven ninety nine. Uh it's it's a it's a big it's a big jump. And a lot of what Patrick's right, a lot of what NVIDIA's answer to that is uh you know is, is that this RTX technology is is going to be very different than what you've seen before. The problem is we don't have the games for it. We don't have um you know Battlefield 5 is going to introduce it. It's, it was delayed a month and I don't think the RTX stuff is going to be in there on launch day. It's gonna be a patch that will come later. So there's a legitimate argument to have about should you be buying into RTX technology today without the games and the titles to really support it. Uh, there will be some, and I, you know, Nvidia released a list of I think 18 games that maybe will support um, either ray tracing or deep learning super sampling or both. Uh, which is which is. A strong a strong allotment, but we don't have them today. And like when reviews came out, we didn't have anything to really test with except these kind of pre-made canned demos that they that they provided.
0: I feel like you know, the the way this goes is the twenty eighty isn't an improvement in power over the 1080. The 2080 is an improvement in an entirely new capability. And the response reasonable response could be, that's great. When I can use it, I'll want that. But, for the time being, couldn't <laughs> yeah. you just please give me a successor to the ten eighty that's more powerful and 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 the argument back against that is, but if we don't put the twenty eighty out there, it won't create the market that will cause sure. the software to be built for it It's a little of a chicken and egg problem
1: it it definitely is the If you look at it if you're if you're from nvidia's perspective um you kind of look at it as they can raise prices because there's not any competition at the high mm. end, right? The, the the AMD Vega cards lacked against the 10 series already. So the 20 series is coming out. AMD doesn't really have anything on its roadmap. So it, there's an environment in place where the competition level is, is reduced mm. and NVIDIA is able to raise these prices and they don't really have anything pressuring them uh, to to go the other direction. And, you know, it's it's very similar to... When the Apple iPhone X launched, the prices went up, and everybody went, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe these prices went up!" And guess what? It was their best-selling phone for the two quarters, you know, the four quarters that's been out, right? And right. that's Nvidia sees that and goes, "Well, I want to, I want to have higher profit margins, and <laughs> I, want, an, uh, I a want a higher, higher average price per unit." Absolutely, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so they're like, "Well, we'll give it a shot." And worst case scenario, it, they don't sell out we kind of go through this process of maybe lowering prices or doing rebates or whatever, or AMD releases something that's a surprise to us. And then we readjust. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think they're as worried about losing goodwill of the community as much of the community would like them to be worried about it.
0: <laughs>
4: Sorry. I'll Such stop an evil,
1: <laughs> evil laugh. But true. I
0: So, so, in the end, though, if I'm a consumer sitting there ready to buy a graphics card for my next machine, is it the smart thing to do to just buy a 1080 then?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard It's hard to say no to that, right? If you look at the 1080 Ti, 1080 today, you could buy them new for... You could buy 1080 Ti, I think, for like 499 mm. eh, maybe, yeah, 479 Is that right? Higher?
6: Hold that thought. Okay.
1: Um, maybe I'm thinking of 1080. I think maybe...
6: Yeah, I need to. I know partially my thoughts on this are kind of skewed because I'm looking for a sub 250 uh, millimeter card, which it. is usually more expensive than a full size card. Yeah, uh, but but 479 sounds. Really I
1: think cheap. I think that's that's 1080. 1080 Ti is probably closer to six six fifty at this point. I think the what I was looking at is you can get. Hundred to hundred fifty dollars less, you can get a ten eighty Ti, which is going to have near the same performance level as a uh, twenty eighty. That's going to you know be more expensive. And if you're willing to take the chance on used hardware, if you go to eBay, you can you can get a lot of really inexpensive stuff. As mining has fallen off and people start to sell out that hardware, obviously you're taking a risk on the longevity and how hard these cards have been worked and what the what the heating heat and cooling and all that stuff has been like for that product right. but i think that's where you might be able to find a 1080 Ti for 499 but then you're, you're you've got warranty questions and a bunch of other stuff uh to digest yeah. i mean i
0: can find one on ebay right now for 410 but if i want okay. new from new it's listed at 700.
1: okay yeah. all right yeah so yeah i mean I, as i think as long as the 10 series cards exist new in the channel which I actually don't think will be very long based on what some of their partners have told me mm. um, when production actually stopped and, and what that inventory was like. A lot of people were holding off on their purchases until these 20 series cards were announced and what the reviews look like. And now I think you'll see a lot of people doing what you're suggesting, Tom, is they're just like, I don't know, we're just, I think I'm going to get that 1080 now. I was waiting. Um, <laughs> and, and now they'll do that. That'll buy up. And then eventually you kind of won't have that option anymore and we'll have to see what the market looks like then if amd has progressed or pricing is lower on the rtx units or anything i guess
0: how long i mean and i know this is an impossible question but if you if you had to guess how long do you think that is before the channel runs out
1: of 10 of 10 series yeah. i would say it would shock me if by the end of the year that wasn't the case that, mm-hmm. that we'd be out yeah
0: but then all of those bitcoin miners will be dumping their old 1080s
1: it's true you're already i mean you're already starting to see it yeah well let me ask a quick question
4: so if that's the case say that the 10 the 10 series literally is sold out and they no more they're done and they're moving on to the 20 series does that leave an opening for amd to kind of position their wares in that space where hey you know what you don't you don't need to mortgage or or you know Uh, your home to buy a new video card you can get something not as powerful but you know what you're not you're not selling off your kids to pay for it
1: yeah i mean and that's what they should do right if you're if you're amd if you're the Radeon group um you need to be looking at any kind of messaging you can do uh around hey we're providing you 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 know you're not going to be the top performer but you say hey if you if you're one of the 10 million people that has a 1440p monitor or below that plays PC games on AAA titles, our graphics card is going to be perfect for you. And the, if you're AMD, you're also kind of you're also kind of lucky that Nvidia wasn't more aggressive on pricing. That f- means they don't have to AMD doesn't have to reduce their prices to remain competitive in, in the space. If they want to stay at you know 499 or whatever, uh, and 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 kind of totally undercut what the 2080 and the 2070 will be priced at, they're they're able to do that. Um, and I think you're right. They should they should be talking about gaming um, gaming without a car, you know, less than a car
6: payment type of thing. It's also kind of crazy that there actually is now that you know the the ten seventies, the ten eighties, the ten sixties, the ten eighty TIs are you know at around or near MSRP, and the twenty eighties and the twenty seventies are going to be shipping. Um, there's finally actually AMD parts in the pipeline which for so much of the last year, it was like they launched, they disappeared. There were several around Christmas, they disappeared. Where were the AMD cards this spring? Nobody knows. And uh, uh, you know, now that they're getting sort of beat up on technology on one side and performance and price on the other side, uh, they're in the channel. <laughs> so I think... I think I think AMD is going to be really popular some if if mm-hmm. if uh, you know if the prices aren't really good on the 20 series Nvidia cards around around Black <laughs> Friday I think it's going to be a great Black Friday for AMD GPUs <laughs> if they can keep I, the channel full. <laughs> I think it's 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 easy to forget literally 6 months ago,
1: 12 months ago how screwed up the GPU market was right on our on our, on this week in computer hardware with Patrick and I every week we would talk about uh, i don't know how expensive are all the video cards you can't buy today you know and uh that was it lasted a long time we we had yeah. fallout from you know all the, all the other people that make power supplies and cases and keyboards uh and, and any other component that that would normally be bought in in kind of tandem with a new pc build they were like uh well i'm not i can't buy a video card i can't afford it why would i bother upgrading the rest of my system and now we're 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 back to a it's hard to say a sane spot in the market but nvidia kind of kind of edged us in a little bit with the uh with the pricing
3: well, this actually dovetails very nicely into our first advisor discussion of two today. And that is, if you are going to build a PC based on price fluctuations and 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 what's available and who should do this, that is going to be our next topic for the next few minutes. So Patrick, if I were to say, I'd like to build my own PC, would you recommend it to me? And, and and why? Based on what I might want to do with it.
6: Yes, because then I could have you on tech thing, and we could do a build <laughs> video. And
3: content well, for the
0: show sounds like a segment pitch. Suddenly, that's
6: great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Get your credit card. We're going shopping.
3: Well, I, I uh, you know, the, the reason that I, I think this is interesting is you know I am sort of of uh, the lazy folks who say, nah I just want you know all you know I I just want to buy my computer and maybe right. I'll pay a premium for it. However, um, uh, it does sound like putting cobbling together your own PC uh, over the last couple of years has actually been a bit problematic, based on lots of factors. So, where are we now?
6: Well, uh, uh, GPUs are affordable again. There's some tremendous. Uh, there's some amazing processors from AMD. The stuff from Intel is good. I, I just I've just built. All the stuff I've built in the last year has been AMD because I'm getting more cores, and then I spend a lot a lot of time with video, so I just want more cores to render faster. I, I think part of it's like if you go to PC Parts Picker, or if you go to PCPer.com, or if you go to Newegg.com, and you get excited looking at all the listings, you should build a PC. Um, you know, if you <laughs> if you're looking at case designs and thinking like that's just exquisite, uh, if you want to build a mini ITX PC, um, I think you should build a PC. Um, if you are Thinking like you know, if if you're not a gamer, if you don't care about LEDs on your motherboard, if if you just want the, if you just want to cut a check and have a computer, you know, go to Dell go to Puget systems, go to any of a number of, of either major or boutique builders and buy a PC um, because they all do good work. You know, you can, you can, you can, you know, put your credit card number in, in a, a box from Dell or Lenovo or Puget or whoever is going to show up a few days later and they'll support it and they deal with the warranty issues and, and they burn it in and they set everything up. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If you're not excited, I mean, I should say there's kind of two things. One, if you're not excited by looking at computer parts, don't build a PC. Um, or two if you can't look at a pile of computer parts and be like i want this and this and this and this um you know when i built my 1800x no one would have been able to provide me a pre-built system with an 1800x inside of it um so it was the only way i could get that um if you're worried about longevity and you want to pick components that are going to last longer uh you know there's another running joke along with it (laughs) so let's see how much the expensive gpus you can't buy are this week um you know, another thing has been like most CPUs from record CPUs, most power supplies from reputable manufacturers have like a 10 year warranty now. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're starting to look at situations where, you know.
3: You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
6: The Claude three model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, Like I've, I've got some, some power supplies that are on my second or third PC. Uh, if you've got a PC that, you know, you've been sitting on, maybe it's three years old and I would have upgraded it last year, but I couldn't buy a GPU. You know, if you don't care about the case, buy a new motherboard, uh, a new processor and a new GPU, um, you know, and replace the guts, that would be a time to build a PC. Um, you know, it's, uh. You know, Ryzen's giving you amazing amounts of computing power for less money. GPUs are affordable again. Um, Really, for me, though, if you want to build a computer, build a computer. If you have a very specific list of parts you want to build or for a specific situation, you know, build a computer. Um, You know, for a lot of people, it's okay to, you know, be like, eh, I'm over it. I'm done. Just... Send me a box uh, and let me plug it in and, and go on my merry way, and that's okay too.
3: <laughs> Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? You know, you if I am looking to save money, but I don't necessarily know what exact parts I want, but they will be advantageous to me if I, you know, figure it out. Uh, you know, what are my options? So,
1: I think Patrick is correct in that PC building and. In- P- used to be, and Tom can back me up on this one. Probably it used to be when you would build a PC, it was to save money. Right. And now it's not. It's not really how it works anymore, right? If you just want a computer, a Dell or an HP from a big box store, you go to Costco or something like that. You're going to get a lot of value there. And I find that even with with notebooks, a lot of times yeah. I'll be browsing through Costco and I'll see this Dell XPS what? 13, and you know, I'm like, oh wow, that's several hundred dollars less than they were selling on their own website. And that's where I would buy my own machines. Um, Building a PC to save money can be done, but it's that's more art than science at this point. That is kind of following the rebates, checking out, um, you know... Uh, PCpartpicker.com or Camel, 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 or whatever, kind of seeing where the dips are. It's like checking the stock market almost to some degree. <laughs>
0: so so um, if, if you like, if you get excited by a pile of parts and you like
1: couponing, then, then you might be able to. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and I think, I do think more, selling people, this well, Tom. more people should build PCs, if only because you're learning while you're doing it. You're understanding the technology. Um, is, are there more headaches? Yes, because now you're responsible. For for support and troubleshooting and that type of stuff. Uh, But you, you learn, you're learning as you're going. It's one of the things, uh, you know, when my nephew wanted a PC to do PC gaming, uh, he asked me for a computer and I said, no, we're going to build one and kind of walked him through it and taught him how to, how to do that. Now, whether or not he retains that and does it in the future, I don't know. That's on him. But uh, I I think from a pricing standpoint, you're always going to get cheaper if you do OEM, unless you want, unless you're like I need 3 GPUs and 128 gigs right. of RAM and 32 cores right then you're getting into super high end boutique builders and Patrick Wright building your own will save you money there but from a price standpoint today i could say that there's no reason to not build a computer from a cost standpoint there wait say that again so so there, there's no there's no let me rephrase that it used to be you know Three months ago, six months ago, I wouldn't tell you to build a computer because the price of memory was so high. The price of graphics cards were so high. Everything has settled back down. Memory is so still expensive. But it's not going to change, as it turns out. So
0: it's, uh, price is basically not a factor. You're not going to save correct. money necessarily, although maybe if you play it right, you could. You're not going to spend more money, which used to be the case a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. Okay. Uh, it, it, you mentioned memory. Memory prices are high. Is that the only one to watch out for as far as cost
1: uh, being way up there these days? I mean, I, I think so. I think that's the only thing that is outside the bounds of where we feel like yeah. it should be, right? Um, but it, it, as I as I watch companies like Micron and uh, Samsung and SK Hynix and all their production capabilities, there's nothing that's going to come online anytime soon where we're going to see a sudden 20% right. drop in, in prices like we did with GPUs. Mining died, prices went down, done. With memory, I don't think we're going to see that. If it does come back down, it's
6: going to be a very gradual thing.
1: And Samsung yeah. said they're going to slow down their production. Uh, <laughs> Weird. So,
6: well, they yeah. were. They, Samsung announced that they were bringing on the equivalent of 20% of the world's current memory fabrication capability this year. So everybody's like, "Woo!" And I think... You know, not that not that 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 large organizations talk in the background, but I think you know maybe you know, Hynix and Intel and and Micron all looked at Samsung like
0: sent a, a raised eyebrows Samsung's way. <laughs>
6: really, really, you think that's smooth? Um, but but I mean, it's you know the memory's been on this insane ride for the last eighteen months and. I don't see any memory manufacturer having any interest in going back to, let's see. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. It was uh, $60 for 16 gigabytes of Corsair, you know, vengeance, uh DDR four Ram, uh, in 2016. And it peaked, like I want to say in, in February 15 at like $220 for 16 gigabytes. Now it's at 150, I mean, I, I I love Corsair and Micron and everybody else, but I don't see any of them being like, yeah, we should definitely drive things back to the point where you can get two sticks of RAM yep. with an in and out burger. Um, you know, it's... That's a double, was, double, double, double. Yeah, I mean, it, we got really, I mean, you know, 16 gigabytes went from like, 120 bucks in in the tail end of 2015 down to like 65 70 bucks in the middle of 20 for most of 2016 and it didn't get back up above 120 bucks until 2017 so we had this long long spell where memory was really cheap uh and then it just went berserk uh in 2017 along with everything else that went into a PC um you know well,
3: Okay I, so 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 For somebody who would be interested in building a PC that was, um, you know, the best PC I could have for editing a lot of video, which I do these days, right? But I don't necessarily, you know, I don't necessarily know exactly what purse I need. And sounds like I'm not necessarily going to save a lot of money doing this. It's more of a, you know, a hobbyist idea, but I could get the best PC for my money. Mm -hmm. Where do I go? Where do I go to find out more about what h- how do I put these parts together if I don't really know this ahead of time?
6: Where, Ryan? Where could they go?
1: Hmm, if only there were a place. I mean, obviously, self-centering, I would say pcper.com and the leaderboard there. If you look at that dream system, it is kind of aimed at the, you know, I think it's a 16-core, 32-thread part. That's going to be a good video editing solution. Uh, price-wise, it's going to be reasonable and probably the prices are a little bit lower than what you even see there. Uh, In terms of pricing, PC Part Picker is the best spot to go. Uh, They have tremendous tools that let you um, pick and part together systems. Uh, They track prices over time. They have recommendations from other users. It's something where you can build a system and then save that system, and you can kind of watch the price of it over time. If you don't want to buy today, it's a good kind of note-keeping system as well. there are a lot of places like that, you know, depending on how how uh, brave you are, you can dive into some of the of the DIY parts of of the Reddit community and and, and ask questions about what you should build. Ask yeah, questions, I, duck, I, uh... get a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> but well, uh, I, I, I think there's still plenty of outlets for that.
6: I want to give a shout out also, I mentioned them before, uh, Puget Systems, um, which is a boutique manufacturer far, far north of where I'm sitting right now, but they have they've spent a lot of time um benchmarking especially for people who are content creators if you're looking at premiere or photoshop um you know where they've looked at cpu performance gpu performance like what the difference is in you know like i'm looking at a benchmark where they look at gtx 1060 1070 1080 1080 ti titan xp titan v um and looking at like live uh, frame uh, live playback and exporting and what spending you know you know what doubling or tripling the cost of your GPU does to the performance of particular things inside of Premiere Pro, for example. And they've done similar stuff for, uh, uh, you know, After Effects, Photoshop, um, you know. And and I got I to gotta give them a, a shout out for that because there's a lot of theory and there's a lot of stuff you can find in forums. But this is one of the only places where somebody's really sat down and looked at you know, individual component performance and, you know, they may not be the definitive benchmarks, but there are a lot more you're going to find at most places. And you can look at like, Oh, if I do this with, you know, if I put this much CPU into it, I get these results or, Oh, I may want to concentrate more on GPU. There's a lot of mythology, uh, around content creation systems. And, uh, you know, on one level, you know, the simplest one is just buy everything, um, because you know, you know, if you're doing constant production, like yeah, actually, you'll save a bunch of time if you have 64 gigabytes of RAM and a massive processor and you know several terabytes of SSD storage. Sure. But, uh, You know, that's also one of those things. You also have to cut that check for all of that stuff, which gets uh, emotionally traumatic. When you look at that credit <laughs> card bill and go like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could have yeah. bought a used car. Um,
0: well, I, I like this but, idea that you mentioned about uh, building a PC with with your kid or even your nephew or niece, you know, to kind of say, okay, you want a great video game machine. You're going to have to build it yourself. But I bet a lot of parents are put off by that because they've never done it themselves uh, before. Is, is there a good resource for someone like that who just wants to start putting it together and they, they don't know what parts plug into what other parts?
1: (laughs) That's, uh, you know, that is, that is almost like a lost art is the explaining at that at a basic level. Actually, when I, when I did that, pc building set up with my nephew it was probably three years ago maybe more than that now we did we recorded it right and we i walked him through the process kind of explained things as we went um so that that video is out there i'm trying to remember even what it it would be on our youtube.com pc per channel building a pc i think it was a three-part three-part series but uh there you know again if you're brave enough dive into the youtube world and talk about how to build a pc but yeah. you do want to you know get advice from somebody find somebody either uh at your work or a friend of a friend that has done it before that can maybe guide you hold your hand along the way because even though i think it's way more simple than it was a decade ago there's still areas where you know you're either even if you don't make the wrong decision, you're going to have this indecisiveness that can wear you out during the process, just mentally fatigue you, uh, and kind of getting some of those questions answered and assuring you and along the way would be would be very helpful.
0: Well, uh, folks, if you've got ideas about this as well, uh, send, send us your resources, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com, com as we know a lot of you guys out there have done this, uh, and maybe you've recently learned how to do it yourself. so so share the love and share the wisdom with everybody else. All right. So if you are an advisor on the show out at patreon.com slash DTNS, you get to suggest topics for the roundtable every month. Usually we would get a bunch of suggestions and, uh, and we put them up for a vote. This month we got two great suggestions. So we're doing two advisor topics. And the second one is, are $1,000 and more cell phones really worth it for one to two years of use. Now, oh,
3: this, I sure hope so.
0: <laughs> Sarah says, having just bought an iPhone XS Max. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, here's the thing: I want to. I want to. Before I get opinions from the from the panel here, I want to point out a few stories that just came out in the last couple of days. Well, a couple of stories and, and one fact: eBay is now <laughs> offering wireless plans from Red Pocket Mobile. It's an MVNO uh, as an add on option when you buy a used phone on eBay. So you can certainly get a great phone for cheaper if you do that uh, and even sign up for a plan right there as you're buying it. AT&T has announced they plan to build small data centers around the US to support cloud computing over 5G. Now this is a couple of years down the road, obviously, but the idea is that cheaper phones without as much processing power or memory could be used to rely on the fast 5G connection to do a lot of the processing that say an iPhone or a Samsung Galaxy do locally. Uh finally worldwide KOS K A I I like to call it Chaos uh is a mod of Firefox OS that is now really popular it uses web apps to power inexpensive phones so you're talking 10 20 dollar phones uh Jio Nokia the banana phone uh uses KOS and it is now the number 2 operating system to Android in India 40 million phones worldwide run on it. So now more than ever before, these mid-range phones and sometimes feature phones that that run chaos can do a lot of the things that a smartphone can. Is it still worth it? Is there still some reason to say, well, if you have the means, you really should get that top-end phone? For just two years? Well, and that's the other side of his question, right? Uh, I think phones are lasting longer than two years these days as well. I think, you know, that's the other thing is, do you need to replace it every two years anymore?
3: Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I did just get a new iPhone and, you know, very happy with it. However, I did the last um, iPhone I had was the seven plus. So it has been a two year cycle. I, I skipped the whole 10 um, last year. And, you know, my, my iPhone, my, my previous iPhone it had a shattered screen. it had all sorts of problems, but it just started to it started to slow down. You know it was like a senior citizen on phones the you know, the screen wasn't very bright anymore, things didn't really work the way that they were supposed to work anymore and that was I limped along barely two years. So, okay, sure. I, you know, if you, if you have the means, the financial means and, 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 and the interest to get a new, um, new phone, whether it's, you know, whatever it is every year. Great. Most people do not. So yeah. How long do you limp along before you have to get a new, um, a new phone when it comes to laptops? I mean, I can use the same laptop up to about ten years. You know, if <laughs> you know, like <laughs> pressed, I will do it. When it comes to smartphones, it's a little bit different. I do find that they they degrade a lot more um, easily. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to buy the most expensive phone, um, but which was you know a little bit of a splurge on my part, but. But I don't know. I mean, I you know, I'd open this up to the rest of the group. Do, you know, do we think that smartphones are kind of along the same lines as 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 PCs?
4: I oh, really quick from my personal perspective, I have a three-year-old, a little over three, three and a half-year-old phone. It's right. a Galaxy S6. The only reason I moved that from the Nexus what was it the the second, third Nexus was that I wanted real-time encryption on the phone, and the Nexus couldn't do that. And that's why I got the phone. But other than that, the phone's fine. It work, does everything, does the mapping, does all my social media, does all the pictures and stuff. I don't see a reason to upgrade unless this breaks. Or, you know, somehow there's an application that I really want to use and it doesn't run very well on it.
6: I, I don't know. There's so many variables on this one. Um, the only reason I upgraded my phone uh, well, actually, the, the the closest thing I could come to an excuse for upgrading my phone would be that the compass module no longer worked. And it drives me insane because I use a lot of astronomy apps and navigation apps. Mm. And no, you know, and that was a known issue with the iPhone 6, um, 6 6S. Um, but, you know, I picked that up in 2015. I was still using it uh, three years later. and But, you know, we needed to get a, a cell phone for my son to use. So it's like, okay, he can take my 6 and I'll get... Uh, I picked up a phone. Uh, this Moto G six I'm running right now cost a quarter of the price for what I paid for the 128 gigabyte iPhone six um, or six s. It all kind of bleeds. I'm pretty sure it's a six. Um, you know, and I probably. I probably have destroyed more screens than the rest of the people uh, on the show today combined. I feel comfortable yeah. making that statement. Oh, is it a toss-up, you and me? <laughs> I finally. I took me a
3: while. After the show.
6: <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 literally, I got the iPhone six. I want to say I bent the case and broke the screen in the first six days of ownership. Bought okay, the extended All
3: right, you win. Uh,
6: uh, you know, uh, and uh, finally found a combination because I used to use these life proof cases where you could pretty much fling the phone into the Grand Canyon, hike down, find it, and pick it up and use it again. Based uh, done a true story. Started... Yeah, <laughs> not quite, but close. The life proof <laughs> cases started falling apart. So I finally found a combination of like the uh, – I, I got to give a shout out. There's a couple of companies on Amazon that give, that creates um, uh, tempered glass screen protectors. They're amazing. Um, I haven't, since I started using those, I haven't actually broke a screen, uh, knock on wood, but, uh, it's been, uh, you know, and i found a, a case to protect it, but it it amazes me that some people, I know some people that like my wife, um, used her iPhone for like six years and it got to the point where, you know, everything was flawless on it. Everything was perfect on it. Nothing was problematic with it, but we were no longer getting operating system security updates and the apps were starting to not work with them. Like, come on, we'll get you a new phone. The camera will be really nice. Um, I also know people who upgrade every single year, um, which I find excessive. Um, but if you got the discretionary <clears> income and you enjoy it, by all means. Um, I
1: I think it's I think it's interesting because I believe the, most people that you would ask this question to, they would say no, you don't need a a, a one thousand dollar phone every year or two. However, they sell an awful lot of one thousand dollar phones every year. <laughs> Right, indicating indicating that some people are still doing this, and I I look at it from you know maybe a slightly skewed perspective as maybe most many of us do that that work in this in this field, um, it's the device that you use the most by a significant margin. If I look at my wife, for example, she uses her laptop maybe twice a week, but she's on her she you know she uses her phone a dozen times a day, if not more, right for calls, messaging, internet. Uh, whatever you know searching movies, research, anything she 's doing is on is on that device, so it is a thousand dollars a year for a phone a lot it is and and when you break it down to, hey, are you willing to pay hundred dollars a month to have the latest digital pocket device with you, you start to go, ooh, hundred dollars a month that's mm, that feels like a lot mm-hmm. uh, but but in terms of use and and kind of after a laptop, uh, you know, or or a PC, but I guess a laptop, right. something you carry with you all the whole time. I can't think of anything that gets more use in my day to day life than my phone.
0: I used to upgrade my laptop every eighteen months. I just I would just run into a wall where I, either storage or RAM uh, limitations would would force me to do that. I stopped doing that around twenty thirteen, and now. I no longer have on the tip of my tongue how old my laptop was. I have to think about it. (laughs) I used to always know exactly what month I was in. Uh, Phones are not there for me yet. Phones, I can tell you immediately how long I've had a phone for. Although it used to be at a year... I'd be struggling, well, can I make it another year? Uh, and, and recently, that's become two years. At two years, I start to feel like, gosh, I really wouldn't, would like to have something a little snappier, right? It, it's, it's a luxury slow. thing, right? It's not, it's not a painful, like, it doesn't work thing like Roger's talking about. It works fine, but I just get a little like, ah, but it, it could be a little faster, right? <laughs> uh, I, this is the first time we're at a year, and I have the iPhone ten here that I'm talking about. I, I, I don't feel any of that. I feel like this is fine. I'm, I'm not. I'm not tempted in the least. We'll see in two years if it's still there. But I, I think the phones are getting the, the 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 specs in the phones are are better match for the advancements in software than they used to be.
6: Yeah, yeah. I, one of the things uh, I read an article, and I, I wish I could remember who wrote the column, but they were they were basically like, if you have last year's iPhone, you don't need this phone. Yeah. You know, if you have last year's you know Pixel Two or or whatever the flagship was. This is better, but it 's not like a thousand or twelve hundred dollars better If you have a two or three year old phone, you may be looking at this camera going, <gasps> "I want the precious um, and uh, I, you know I will say it 's the one thing like the Moto, the camera in the in the g six is pretty impressive, but the low light performance just gets spanked by all the flagships but at the moment, like I think i 'd rather spend three or four hundred dollars on a discrete camera that 'll have the equivalent photo performance than pay a thousand dollars for a phone. Uh, that'll have that, that, that camera performance. It's, well, it's go
0: ahead. No, I was going to say the, and the other, the other side of it is what you talked about with the tempered glass. I, I, I would love to know, I would I send, make sure we get that link in the, in the spreadsheet so that it goes in the show notes for people. Cause I, I, on the case side have been using the Xdoria defense case, and it has changed my, my life because <laughs> I no longer get scratches on my glass, not because right. it's covering the glass, but because it's got enough of a defense. And this thing has been dropped several times, uh, is, is, is tough as nails. So a, a lot of it now becomes less about I need to upgrade, but did I, did I protect my phone well enough that it survived for a couple
6: of years? Yeah.
0: So I, yeah. we'll, and, we'll make sure yeah. to get those in there.
6: Amfilm, tempered grass, green protectors. I'm sure there's other ones that are just as good.
4: But. Yeah, there's I a, have like, this OtterBox, that the Otterbox on, box on my phone. Because I, yeah. I, I bought my phone off Amazon Unlocked. It's like, oh, need a case for it. It was like 20-something bucks. Great. My daughter uses this like a football when she gets <laughs> she throws a tantrum. <laughs> She's just like, no. She throws, she'll throw it. This thing bounces off wood, stucco, cement, and, it's, yeah. and no cracks, still runs. And we, this is the thing. I think people have been so used to being told, like every year or something new, you need to upgrade. You need to upgrade because it's something that's been pushed by the manufacturers as well as the phone companies. Or right?
6: The carriers, I think, were a big driver on that. Yeah,
4: the, especially the carriers, right? You know, sign up and you're new. Blah blah blah. Um, but you know, at some point, you know, you can only surf the web so fast. Bef, you, know, bef, you know, you know, I'm sure you could get a faster. I could get a faster phone, but. Like, what would I really do with it? I'm not app heavy. I have like maybe 25 apps at most on my phone. And those are the same 25 apps I've been using for the past six years.
0: And I think if, <laughs> if you're like Roger, I know a lot of you are, and you, you need a new phone for whatever reason, these mid-range phones that we're talking about are plenty yeah. good. You don't need to buy that $1,000 phone because just being able to run apps, you know, the, the hardware can handle that way better than it used to. It's, it's a, I, you know,
3: it's a, I, I know this is obvious, but I always I always think of these conversations as what kind of car do you want to drive? You know, what is your comfort level? It's do getting like the, that, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want the expensive audio the, the situation? Yeah. Like, do you want a Mercedes? Do you care? You know, they, you know, do you do you, do you care about having a hybrid? There are all sorts of reasons that you would want. You, you know, the mm-hmm. nicest phone possible. Great, sure. Most of us just. Don't have that luxury. Some people do, but most people don't. Yeah. So, so let's talk about what are the apps like? Roger was saying What are the apps you're actually using? You know, of 25 apps, how many apps is Roger actually opening per day? Five, maybe. Yeah. You know, think five at
4: most. Yeah.
3: Think about that. Think about. You know, the comfort level, the battery life, you know, stuff that actually matters more than, you know, know, a lot of the bells and whistles that I think a lot of us get caught up in that, that, that quite honestly don't matter as much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of the brilliances of KOS uh, is, is that it, it made a point of using HTML5 CSS based apps. Uh, but still curating an app store, so it was able to get the apps that people most often want to use—the the WhatsApps, the Twitters, the Facebooks—because uh, it, it, it's easy to develop them if you already have a mobile website. Uh, and 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 people, you know, the idea of millions of apps is, is enticing in the in the abstract. But but like you said, in in general, you know, I I probably use five or six apps uh, I mean, every day. Yeah,
3: yeah. me too. Me too.
0: I've got Google Maps, Google Play Music, Slack, Feedly, the BBC News app, Pocket Camp, Instagram, Twitter, The Weather Channel, Patreon, TV Time, Gmail, Safari, and our groceries.
3: The Weather Channel? Yeah.
0: And Sarah, you're a little crackly. I don't know if you saw my message, but but you're, you're Oh, right. I didn't.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. You
4: know what's weird is I didn't think you could do this uh very well but I run OpenVPN for Android on my phone and it works pretty snappy like it like I thought it would would have been noticeably slower it's not it's fantastic I love this thing I'm never going to get rid of my phone <laughs> the Galaxy S6 forever forever <laughs> Until they no longer update it and there's a new OS that will run.
0: <laughs> Before we wrap up this topic, just round the horn. I, I've had my phone for just about a year now. Patrick, how long have you had yours?
6: Uh, this Moto G6, several weeks. <laughs>
0: Before <laughs> no, That's that.
1: right. You just got the G6. Yeah, Ryan, what about
0: you? Yeah, I'm guilty of
1: that, too. Seven days.
0: Yeah. All right. All right uh so so, we are not a representative panel for the longevity yeah.
6: well, it was three uh, years before that right th- yeah my, no okay that that's probably yeah, my a more pertinent has that phone so it's it's closing in on four years at
0: how about point. ryan before yours
1: i i'm a I'm, I'm the yearly guy year once a year okay,
6: yeah. 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 And
0: Sarah was a couple of years, so um, and she just got a new phone as well. All right, well, uh, thank you, folks, uh, for hanging out with us. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned something, and uh, I hope you're going to like Len Peralta's illustration. Len, what did you write for us today?
5: Well, we talked about a lot of really great things today, uh, but I went all the way back to the beginning of the show where we talked about the View as hack uh, in Facebook. And, uh, that's, uh, that's what I drew. I drew this monster viewing one of the, I guess the representative of the 50 million people who were hacked by this, uh, this little thing. um, Being uh, scrutinized uh, by uh, a huge eye monster. I mean, I think this is just Facebook. It does. does, It works for the story today, (laughs) but it could work for a lot of stories. (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right. Uh, It is sort of Facebook, and I know it wasn't. You know, it's not as bad as it probably could have been. But uh, you know, I just like kind of giving Facebook a hard time. And uh, what's also kind of neat about this image is that because it is a round table image, it's 11 by 17. And uh, this is available right now in my online store. And also, if you're a Patreon backer, you will get this, I believe, in a month and a half uh, just by backing me at the uh, DTNS level at uh, patreon.com forward slash Len. Thank you, Len. That's awesome. No problem. Thank you.
3: Well, and thanks to everybody who uh, who makes our roundtable so fun every month. We really enjoy these, uh, particularly Patrick Norton and Ryan Trout today. Patrick, let's start with you. Let folks know where they can keep up with all of your other work.
6: Oh my goodness. Uh, Techthing.com, the, the tech T E K T H I N G.com, the weekly show I host with Shannon Morris. And if you're into home theater and speakers and headphones and all that kind of stuff, please check out A V E X C E L dot com, That's the podcast I host with Mr. Robert Herron, where we talk about screens and projectors and speakers and AVRs and headphones and music and source material and dogs and occasionally food recipes. We wander sometimes.
3: <laughs> Sounds like a perfect show. <laughs> uh, Ryan Shrout, thank you to you as well. So nice to see you and talk to you again. Let folks know where they can keep up with all of your excellent work as well.
1: Uh, I'd say first and foremost, Twitter at Ryan Shrout is there for that. PCPurr.com is where you can find all the hardware news, the leaderboard, the all the component products. That we test are all done there. And then, of course, Patrick and I do this week in computer hardware as well, which is at twit.tv twitch, which we talk about, guess what, computer hardware
0: go so, check no. both of those out folks uh and thank you for supporting us directly there's lots of different ways to do it uh if you just listen to the free public feed you're already doing it uh but if you would like to support us directly cut out the middleman head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support and if you like this kind of roundtable format Uh, Join on in the fun or up your pledge and get some of our cool perks like good day internet, exclusive columns and more at patreon.com slash DTNS. If we can make it to our next milestone, uh, we would like to do more of these roundtables a month. So join in on the fun, patreon.com slash DTNS.
3: If you have feedback for us, questions, comments, anything, please. Let us know. Feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com is the way to do that. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. If you can join us live, great. We would love to have you. Find out more at DailyTechNewsShow.com slash live.
0: Back on Monday with Andrew Zarian as our guest. Talk to you then.
3: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at FrogPants.com.
4: I hope you have
1: enjoyed this broker.
3: <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting
2: even softer over time.